We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And Britt Robson of The Athletic joins me today for one final right before the season begins podcast. And Britt, you just wrote a five points of interest for the 2021 Timberwolves season column that will be up at The Athletic by the time people um, are listening to this podcast. And I haven't read it. I've just seen the title that you told me. And it, what I started thinking about is the last time we talked about two weeks ago, our conversation was so soaked in the idea that we don't know what the hell is going on. Right. We don't actually know that much about this team. So I'm curious how you went from that two weeks ago from, I don't know, <laughs> to points of interest because that's kind of uh, another step. So how, how did that process go? Um, and do you feel that the points of interests that you hit on are actually knowable or also still very based in estimation? Well, I think it's what I decided I wanted to do was take areas that I'm going to regard as significant to um, how the team uh, might perform this year. Um, and I mean, the first one was um, basically the leftover damage from last season. Um, you know, this team doesn't know each other at all. Uh, it's funny. We were just on, uh, 
with Jake Lehman on a, just a recent press conference. And he was asked, Hey, uh, you know, um, how, how is, you think the team is ready essentially? And he said, no, you know, I mean, and, and that <laughs> I'm really glad to hear him say that because, um, you know, I did some of the math. Uh, if you're talking about the 10 rotation players, um, the, uh, the, the top, usage in terms of minutes among three players of that top 10 is 242 minutes. You know, that's like four games. That's among who were the, who are the guys? Uh, let me think. I, I'm trying to remember what it was. It might've been, uh, must've been Culver, Okogie cat. No, 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 no. It, uh, I'm no, I'm talking. Oh, good point. I hadn't looked at it that way. Um, Oh yeah. I, uh, Maybe I'm sure Tolvero Kogi Cat Boy. I'm going to have to go back and uh, revise that. Um, <laughs> well, the point the point stands though that well, yeah, a lot of these guys haven't played together. Yeah, and and I guess uh, among the uh, you know the starting unit, it really is. Oh, uh, I think one of the problems I had is that Cat um, played 71 minutes after the trading deadline, so all sure. the major pieces that rearrange the team from there the most he could play with any of those guys was 71 minutes um meanwhile layman um you know uh didn't play the one game that cat and Delo played together uh he know, was out for the toronto game yeah i didn't i don't yeah. remember that yeah, huh. I looked it up. so i mean essentially what it boils down to is um you know any team has uh you know, you change your roster via trades, free agency, you know, injuries, so on and so forth. But no team had their roster dismantled twice in the space of a full season and on top of it lost their best player to injury and on top of it had their season shortened by, you know, depending on how you want to judge it, eight games because they weren't in the bubble or... 18 games because uh, that's what was missed over the course of the season. So um, long and short of it, this team is not nearly familiar enough to establish the kind of habitual things that you need to foster good teamwork. So that was one of them. It's that kind of thing. You know, that's one of the points. Right. Another one I... is, uh, you know, the difference between the lopsided interest in offense over defense um, Can I ask you one about that first point? Sure, sure. Because because it was just a, you know, as I was searching for anything to talk about positive after that second game, um, the slashing against Memphis, I I did come to which I thought was a somewhat fair conclusion that the only players who did look comfortable or competent were the players who have been on the roster since the beginning of of last season. Yeah, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Layman and and Culver and like, you know, Cat was looking maybe not well conditioned, but knew knew where he right. where he had to be. And then even like Jalen Noel, you right. know, and and the kind of the parallel I drew was to that whole concept of um, the way the Iowa guys plugged in last year from the G League. Right. You know, when they they seemed to have some continuity and some understanding of the system. So as it was a somewhat seamless transition. Whereas now what I think we're seeing, even with quote unquote high IQ guys or, or very competent guys that haven't been in the system very long, like 
Rubio's looked, you know, pretty rocky in, in his three preseason games. And then even just some of the trade downline guys, some of the, you know, Ed Davis, the new guys, they, they don't, they don't look comfortable. And it's, it's, it's funny when you just think about the basketball of it, right. Where that kind of implies that the system is super complicated, right? Like, Oh, we need, needs to take time to learn it, but you watch them play and like offensively, it's a very simple See, kind of scheme, right? And, like and, and that's I, what's weird. I don't think it's a system. I really do think there is something to the idea that if a bunch of guys haven't played with each other, I mean, you can't simulate game conditions in practice, no matter how hard you try. Um, yeah. And I do think that, um, you know, this team has no business having 64 assists and 63 turnovers. Uh you know, in three games. And if you look at it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that uh, they are trying to learn a system together. They're not winging it, even though the system is basic. Um, five guys have to kind of know what they're doing. And um, I just don't think that's necessarily what happens a lot. And then defense, of course, you know, is a whole other kettle of fish. But essentially what it boils down to is, not only do you have that problem of the unfamiliarity, but you have COVID disrupting the season. And then on April 8th, Kat's mom died. That's in the, that's right in the thick of the 2019, 20 season, the way it played out sure. so that he comes back. And, and since that time, he's lost six or seven people that were very close to him. So, I just think we may underestimate what kind of uh, hill this team has to climb to get back into things. Their best player is physically rusty, emotionally grieving, and unfamiliar with just about everybody he's going to get heavy minutes with. I mean, Rubio, we mentioned this the other day, uh, He's probably played more minutes with Rubio than any other player on the roster, but that was under combined combined. He's played more minutes with Rubio than anyone else on the roster combined. And that was under Sam Mitchell and Tom Thibodeau. I mean, think about that. Yeah, that's apples to oranges. Exactly. I mean, how, how, how beneficial necessarily is that time? It's not, it's not, but, but also what I've been thinking about too is, is I did a, I did a pod, um, kind of estimating where this team finishes offensively and defensively. And, you know, I mean, you and I have talked about this a million times. It's this whole sort of idea that you kind of have with Cat every year of his career, this this line in the sand you can draw where they're going to probably be a – they've been like a top 10, 13 offense in the league and a bottom five defense. And and I do think, generally speaking, that's a, a fair line to, to draw as an estimate. But you also run into the Sam Mitchell, Tom Thibodeau, sort of corollary there where you're like well hold on in the one year that the one year that ryan saunders has been the coach of this team they were actually better defensively than they were offensively now there's a whole bunch of cat didn't play it's all it's all murky there too but but sometimes you just gotta kind of peel back what ends up happening when something goes different and you're like two months later you're like what the hell we thought it was going to be this there's usually something you can peel back towards to be like oh yeah there was we could have seen this coming there. And, and I just think that's important to acknowledge that a lot of lineup data, a lot of historical points of reference with this group are 
we're going to use them, but they all need to come with a grain of salt because it was with a completely different group, and it was with the best player in a completely different place mentally and physically. Cat is nowhere near mentally where he was at the beginning of last season when he was awesome, and I would say he's nowhere near physically where he was for that Brooklyn game on night one of last season too. So, so to to your point, it's there's this there's this ramp that they're going to need to to take at the beginning of the year, and to me, it's tempered some of my my season long expectations in terms of what the, in terms of what the overall offensive efficiency will be in the aggregate and just what the win total will be, because I think it's understandably so going to be pretty rough to begin. And what's fascinating to me is your point. Yes. They always do figure like top 10 offense, bottom five or eight defense, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's like a staple when cats on the team, well, lo and behold, this huge roster makeover has pushed the, the gap further <laughs> in both ways. We, we expect it to be even better on offense and even worse. On, I mean, the smart people, the people who are actually looking at what this roster holds. And anybody who watched those first three preseason games, I mean, your, your starters are two guys that just don't have a lot of interest in staying in front of anybody in the backcourt. And then your power forward doesn't have any muscle and uh, you know, you got Josh Okogi uh, trying to basically be less aggressive uh, and, and running around like a chicken with his head cut off. It's just the defense is a mess. I mean, you have a situation where in games one and three cat commits 11 fouls in 48 minutes in game yep. two, he commits one foul and they get 62 points in the paint. I mean, you can't win games that way. You can't win games that way. And so I think I think Britt, I think um another thing to peel back is that Cat has looked better at times defensively in his career and I would attribute that one to teammates but also two to mental engagement. I actually think the mental engagement from him is the biggest factor in the effectiveness of defenses when Carl Anthony Towns is on the floor. I would agree and, with that. And what I would say is I do think we are going to get a mentally engaged defender in Cat to begin the season, as we did last season. Now, what happens if it's 15 games and Cat's like, I've been mentally engaged this whole time, and we are 4-11, and 11, and I'm going to put more effort into off, even subconsciously kind of distract himself from some of that, but really... I think the defense from Cat at the beginning of the year will be better than what we are used to. That doesn't ensure anything for 72 games. So that's kind of where I'm at. Okay, on. and I would agree with you to the point that I think he will be more mentally engaged. Whether or not that translates into better defensive performance, I think is still really up in the air. Because but I think that's dependent on his teammates. Exactly, which is why. Yeah, yeah. All right. You know, so, um, and, and that's unfortunately been the case with Cat all along. Uh, when I wrote a column about Cat for The Athletic last time, uh, a guy by the name of Greg Kirk Levitt, who's, I, I always know him as Paging Stanley Roberts because that's what he used to be on my uh, old, uh, under my old City Pages comment section. But he said, uh, when you look at um, Seth Partnow's tiers of players, the people mm -hmm. in Cat's tiers, um, are terrible defenders among guards, you know? 
And it but probably, we give guards passes. And, and that was his point, is that if you're a big man, your defense is criticized. Your your standard for defense is is a lot tougher than, say, uh, you know, what Murray or, or Donovan Mitchell or, you know, I mean, pick a player. Evan Booker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, um, I mean, if Cat screws up, it makes a big difference. And what baffles me is that you've just basically put the screws to him with this roster uh, rather than figuring out ways to, um, you know, relieve that pressure. And maybe, you know, Rosas wants to do a trial by fire situation where he sees, you know, what he can get. But um, it's interesting, man. It's interesting. I mean, we talked about this last time too, right? It's just such a bold move. And, and then Hard he cuts to, our, our HJ. He cuts Rondé Hollis Jefferson. You know, which you and I went back and forth on Twitter the other day. I thought it was a great conversation because I thought you defended yourself well. Uh, and I also think that, you know, you you often, as you often do, you're putting on your Rosas persona to make the analysis. You know, it isn't necessarily what you think. It's what you think the Wolves think. And, um, and I think that's plausible. I still totally disagree with it, though. I mean, you know. Yeah. Kind of why I just gave up on Twitter was because it's just a more nuanced conversation on a lot of levels. Yeah. Like, the move itself is nuanced, right? And then the whole conversation of leaning more into offense versus defense is also, you know, nuanced. And then it's nuanced at a whole other level where it's like, all right, I'm talking here on Twitter as as – Gerson Rosas, and I want to defend myself with the notion that I don't believe every right. bit of this, right. but it's I do feel that I have a pretty good understanding of what their visions are in 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 terms of roster construction and and those sort of things. So it's it's just complicated, and and it's I I I want to talk about it with you because I want to I want to say where I see the logic in it, and I want to you know say where I'm you know where I'm pretty skeptical. Right. And I don't know, you start. Well, I mean, my logic is pretty basic, which is that Cat um, gets really discouraged if he gets no-win situations of foul this guy or allow this layup a dozen times a game. Um, right. You know, I mean, you're not going to get the engagement attitude out of him indefinitely when that happens. Um, I see Rondé Hollis Jefferson – you made the point, and it's it's a point worth repeating, that his value in a vacuum is not great. He's an end-of-bench guy, which is precisely why the Wolves were able to pick him up for a non-guaranteed contact. But on this particular team, he has the ability to become a catalyst who can be very valuable, I think. Um, I think that's fair. You know, just in terms of, um, put it this way. I want Rondé Hollis-Jefferson on Blake Griffin more than any person currently on the team right now. Great point. Great point. You know, and that happens Wednesday night. You know, so what are we doing? I mean, why are we dumping a guy who you're paying a song to? Uh, and and meanwhile, poor Jake Lehman. And that's the nuance. Of it. And, that's the nuance of it. And, and poor Jake Lehman is going to have to, you know, get posterized by Blake Griffin, you know. Um, well, that there's there's two conversations there. I'm very curious about how they handle Blake Griffin, and I actually recorded with with Jack Borman last night. We were talking about some of this too, and kind of just we watched the Pistons last game, and 
man, they when Bert they were playing the Wizards, and when when Bertans was on the floor, man, they were they relentless about right. about. Well, I mean, Bertans went and guarded uh, Plumley. Because yeah. they were like, well, we're not going to put him on there, which is he's not a center, you know. Right. And then Plumley goes, all right, Blake, I'm coming for the switch. And they're going to do that against Wancho. And they're probably going to do that against Lehman, too. And to your point, if that's Ronda Hollis Jefferson out there, like, cool, we'll take that switch. Right. You know, like they, they might have a whole different strategy because right. they're like, well, Ronda isn't is a good option for guarding Blake Griffin. So, I, you know, I, I totally hear that it it has an opportunity cost, certainly for that game and probably will for the beginning of the season. And I think some people go, well, what the hell you're, you are the term Gerson has used in the past is you are costing marginal wins, right? It will probably, um, if you were, if you had Ronda Hollis Jefferson on the roster for the first 20 games of the season, I mean, you might win a couple more games. You might. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, and I hear that and, and quite frankly, what their decision, I think they, I think they recognize that too. I think Ryan would, would would acknowledge that um that it might be tricky and he goes well i don't know like if it's only going to be ronde playing 10 12 minutes a game you know if that you know I, I, could it get to a couple of wins are we sure it's that much they, they would probably say that but at the end of the day whatever that value is whatever that value is that you see in blake griffin and i i see that too they were willing to punt that in the idea of having more flexibility below the luxury tax line and do you think that I mean, this is right in your ballywick. You can you can explain to me the 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 real upside. I mean, PJ Tucker gets mentioned. Uh, how does PJ Tucker get on this team because you lose Rondae Hollis Jefferson? Well, Rondae Hollis Jefferson would have his cap hold would have increased by ten thousand dollars a day that he was on the roster. Oh, interesting. So if that's it. He is a. That's how a prorated minimum contract. So is that a, is that a million bucks after a uh, hundred days or after? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what? However that breaks down, I kind of ran through it, and it's about half a million bucks to get to uh, the first to get to February, and and where they're sitting right now is about three million below the luxury tax line. So if you take that five hundred k, you know now you're down to two and a half million dollars of flexibility below the line. And, and what it comes down to, if we isolate specifically to P.J. Tucker, is P.J. Tucker makes $8 bucks, and you got the guys you're probably going to be trading for him, Ed Davis, if you want to say Jarrett Culver, you know, whatever it is, it's a combination of salaries that are like five, six million bucks. And, and you know, who knows exactly what the, the trade would be, even if, who knows if it's even right, going to happen. Right, right. But, but conceivably, if it would, you're going to be taking back a couple million dollars more in salary than you you were sending out. Right. And and basically Rosa's kept the powder dry to say three million bucks gives us it's like three point one million bucks. Gives us the maximum amount of flexibility <clears throat> between where we sit and the luxury tax line. So if we want to be making trades, probably have multiple trades over the course of the season, like if we have to limit ourselves to deals that we only give we only get back less money than we send out that that cuts down probably 60% of your trade possibilities over the course of the year. Right. right. Like the logic lines up there to, to some degree. Now, who knows? We got to see, I mean, the proof will be in the pudding to some degree. Like, 
and will be judged on the fact of whether or not they are able to get P.J. Tucker, if they are able to make another trade before whatever the deadline is this season. But ultimately, what I think it came down to in through the Rosa's lens is that they value that flexibility so as to get a player like P.J. Tucker that you know he's got one year left on his contract. I'm assuming they would assign him to an extension immediately and to have him in the fold for the next couple of years. They see value in that, and there's for sure value in that, right? Sure. But um, but it might it, you know it might not happen, and they were willing to risk the idea of not being able to put Ronda Hellas Jefferson on Blake Griffin in the first game, and just the whole idea that and people can disagree with this, but Ronda Hellas Jefferson was not going to be in the ten man rotation, and you would agree with that too. Now, whether should he be, right? That's maybe a different question. He was not going to be in the ten man rotation, and and I hold that against Rosas. Fair, sure. I mean, I I, I just think that. Um... Um, I, I I think you can um, get to be big brained about things to the point of, I, I forget what line I used uh, in the column, but essentially it was, uh, you know, you're, you're trading, uh, you know, high level calculus for common sense, you know, I mean, you know, just, uh, it just, um, Yes, it's entirely possible, and I will tell you right now: Would I rather have PJ Tucker for eight million dollars rather than, um, you know, Rondé Hollis Davis Jefferson? Or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Ed Davis. I mean, your comment about Ed Davis might be washed uh, a couple of podcasts ago. Um, looking fairly prescient thus far. I mean, he it, of all the Timberwolves that set foot on the court uh, during this preseason. Um, he seemed the most at sea of anybody, which was yeah. a shock to me because if anybody seems like a, you know, really competent professional who knows what he's doing in the past, that was always Ed Davis. Now maybe there's something going on that we have no idea about, or maybe that's just the way he is. He doesn't. And, and maybe there's something we do have an idea of what's going on about. I mean, he talked about it. I don't know if you were on that zoom or not, but he's like, well, I came here and I was in shape and then I had to sit in a hotel room for four days right. and I feel like I got out of shape. He basically said that, right, you know? Right. And so there, there's some of that. But the reason I said that to you in the first place is when they made the trade. Because for he wasn't Davis, very good I, last year. He right? wasn't. I, I watched I watched the Utah stuff yeah. and, and, and he wasn't very good. He actually, I w- where I was kind of, you know, more open-minded to the idea was he looked better in the bubble. And I mean, again, this is just right. my subjective opinion ripping through synergy or whatever. Sure. But but generally speaking, I think it was like 28 games he played last year. Most of the time, Ed Davis looked like what Ed Davis looked like in the first two preseason games. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I still think he's – I think he's a very unsexy player even when things are going well. Like, there's just something very, like, aesthetically displeasing <laughs> of a center who catches the ball at the top of the key and and – the, the defending big is next to the rim and he, they just start pivoting out there looking for a dribble handoff. Like it's gross and it looks particularly gross juxtaposed upon what cat can do from out there. Right. So I don't know. I mean, again, this, that is a yeah, to he, be determined sort of uh, thing. without question. He's a placeholder. I actually like him, as I said, and, and, you know, now obviously I would backtrack from this just because he hasn't been as good as I anticipated, but I didn't mind him at the four. Um, as somebody who this is before they signed Hollis Jefferson or, right. or offered Hollis Jefferson. I don't know exactly how you would phrase <laughs> that, but, uh, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, 
I am still looking for a little bit of gristle next to cat. That's what I want. I mean, you know, and I get it that people go, oh, you know, well, you, you can't shoot from outside. What are you doing with a four? Our system needs a four shooting outside. And I'm just thinking to myself, look, you know, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it fair. isn't rocket science and it isn't math either. You don't just basically blueprint people. Guess what? Different players bring different things to the table and a smart organization figures out how to mesh those things better. Um, I, I like what you said, man, when you said you don't need calculus to use common sense. I right. think there's sometimes that, that I do think that sometimes is is the case here, you right. know, with this organization, or at least from our lay perspective right. seems, right. seems to, to be that way. And yeah, I, I do think there are also examples of times where they've gotten too cute, too bold, too whatever. And I think draft night 2019 is an example of that. And, you know, whatever happened um, with trading up for Garland that ultimately became Culver, I that's all not clear, but I think probably an example of that. I think there's examples on the court last season of ideas of, you know, going super lean in the free agent signings they brought in and then just kind of torpedoing any ability to, you know, to play with the, the having it be Trevion Graham and Noah Vonley and those sort of guys. Like, all you had to say was Trevion Graham. I mean, you know. All right. Well, how about this? How about this one for you, Britt? Are we sure Rondé Hollis Jefferson is not Trevion Graham? Positive. See, I don't think you could say that. I do. I think it's more likely than not, but I don't think you could say that that we could have – I mean, we're never going to get the shot now, but – but this is the same thing that happened, similar to what happened at the beginning of last season, where Trevion Graham was this try-hard defender guy, seemed to be all, doing all the right things, couldn't shoot worth a lick, and his star fell fast after 20 okay. games. My rebuttal is he was encouraged to shoot. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is not encouraged to shoot on this team. What if he's playing power forward? He doesn't have to shoot. Why, I mean, you if you're playing him the way he should be played, which is next to, you know, the trio of of sieves on the team, you know, uh, you got Beasley, Cat, and I like and, that lineup. Yeah, but our, no, no, you, no, you're right. So if if he's out there with, Kat, you're saying with Beasley, D'Lo, Beasley, Cat, maybe Rubio or something. Yeah, or or yeah. it could be Okogi. I mean, it wouldn't be ideal to have two non-shooters. I actually, you know, we can get. In. Well, I think that's what it came down to is. They decided that Rondé could not play with another non-shooter. So he would have had to play next to Cat and with three other shooters. Again, that's their opinion, okay, but I think but, that's what it came but, down to. And there's I mean, limited combinations for that. And, and another point of interest in my column is that uh, it's, it's – I think what I said was, like, uh, if you want hope out of me – in a season preview, you have to accept the fact that I can wildly jump to conclusions here. And so, uh, <laughs> and so that's what I did. I mean, I, I essentially, uh, I'm on the, uh, Jarrett Culver, Anthony Edwards, uh, combo platter bandwagon. Um, because I really do see what, what does this team more, need more than anything else? Two way players, especially right. two way wings. You know, I mean, their wing, their wing players are all just, you know, uh, 
they're either really good scorers or really good defender or, you know, above average defenders. Um, what I've seen from Culver and Edwards this year in all of a total of three preseason games is, <laughs> is a chance for a couple of good sized, well-proportioned, well-rounded players. I think that both of those guys could be two-way players if they're developed. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would try to develop them. That's why I would, for example, if you're going to have Rhonda Hellas Jefferson out on the floor, that's when you put Culver in for Okogie. I, I actually think that Culver, you know, and let's, let's set the context here for a minute. Two weeks ago, I was ready to trade Jared Culver for whatever, you know, as an add-in for whatever was going on. Um, sure. Same. Uh, I have, um, does it merely take three preseason games to totally make me do a 180? I, Britt, I yes. think it's so fair. <laughs> I think it's so fair because because what were the issues with Jarrett Culver Confidence. previously? Confidence. A handle. The, a, 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 an ability to show what your discernible positives would be. And for me, where I stood, and everybody listened to this, and they're probably cackling at it now, is I've been as hard on Culver as anybody has. And and it was because I thought through the lack of confidence and just sort of what I perceived to be his mental makeup, I didn't know where he could become discernibly positive. And, and what I see in three preseason games and pretty much every single minute he played of those three preseason games is a completely different mental makeup and that was the premise for my you know being down on him exactly. in, in general so i'm i'm totally willing to say that premise was incorrect because and and people tripped at me for a long time being like how can you say this about a rookie how can you say this about a rookie but i mean you were I there with the me you thing. were watching yeah, yeah. but well, i didn't but, like him either i mean and part of it was is it because <laughs> I mean, the narrative wrote itself. This kid stayed in Lubbock, Texas. He is, yep. uh, you know, son of a preacher. He is a guy who does what he's told and works his ass off. All of a sudden, he's in the middle of some snowy northern city against NBA competition, getting his ass handed to him on a daily basis and can't even make half of his free throws. I mean, I thought he was mentally destroyed last year. Um Britt, I, I think it all it took, and you, we sat there doing this a few times before games. I did it every game, as I was always get to the game before Ryan's pregame and you know and sit down, and that's right when Culver would come in for his pregame workouts. And I'm telling you, if any if there was cameras filming that, and anybody who was steadfast believing in Jarrett Culver, you watch that 15 minutes of his warmups before NBA games over and over again. I don't know how you couldn't have came to the same conclusion as me. He looked in warmups scared to take free throws to his his body would was would shake because he would know on one on one play when he was shooting he was shooting one way and on another way you could see the mental anguish going on within his head and I was I felt for the kid but then uh, when I would try to be objective in analysis I'm like that seems like a long way to go so I want to just give him props of Man, that kid put in work yes. during this pandemic. And not, and, but mental work as well as physical work. I mean, right. first of all, he got his body stronger. Then mm -hmm. I think he got his mind to the point where he is willing to risk 
mistakes for what he does well. And what he does well, in retrospect, now, I mean, all of a sudden, what he does well is he does have a good handle. He's still, I think he's still overrated as a passer. This whole idea coming out of college that he could be a point guard type. That just isn't so. Um, But he isn't a bad ball mover. But what he also is, is he's a pretty good defender. He's good at timing traps. He's good at footwork. His footwork is marvelously improved. I mean, I saw him make that kind of, uh, it was a low post move and it was a beautiful left-handed turnaround layup that didn't go in, but it was a, it was a great move. And he went behind the back on a drive one time and came out the other side, and put it up with the left hand. I mean, Jared Culver, are you kidding me? I mean, so <laughs> it was, it, it was really good news. And so, you know, actually one of the, uh, one of the five points is the tantalizing prospect of a Culver Edwards wing combo. I mean, and Edwards, what a crazy sentence. <laughs> oh man. I mean, but at the same time, I'm looking at things, the whole point of the column, you know, writing a season preview when we really, you know, we're in a vacuum to some extent, don't really know. First is to state that that's one of the things that they have against him. But then what am I looking for? You know, what, and I'm looking to see if, you know, what they did in Dallas, I mean, it, it was, I mean, obviously Luca could give two shits about a preseason game. And, you know, if Anthony Everett stops him a couple of times, Luca's not, you know, he's going to probably, You're not losing he'll sleep, punch yeah. the ref in the face, but otherwise he doesn't care. <laughs> you know, so. Um, let, let me, let me pause you real quick. Okay. You got to get an ad break in, but I want right. to, I want to talk about, because, and I'm, I've been trying to hit this home, the value of wing defenders on this team, particularly in the context of sharing the floor with Malik Beasley and DeAndre Russell is, is critically important. So we'll take a quick break. Be back in a minute. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. 
Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Brett, I think this is is such an important concept that I think you could help me talk through this here because what is going to happen, and I know people are loving what they're seeing, in the, and I am too. I'm liking Malik clearly trying very hard on defense. And and I like the idea of being able to hide D'Angelo Russell on, you know, the DeLon Wrights in the first game or, you know, uh, Steve Mikhailuk or whatever it is against Detroit. There's going to be... There is going to be value in that, but I would ask people to think back to the Toronto game when all the guys played together, except apparently not Jay Clayman, but all the new the, all the new cats played with Cat, and and what happened in that fourth quarter of that game? Kyle Lowry came and he set screen after screen for Pascal Siakam, and D'Angelo Russell got cooked, and it's why they lost that basketball game. And, and there will be, as excited as, as we are about Jarrett Culver and about what, what we've seen from Jarrett Culver, what we saw from Josh Okoge, the idea of Anthony Edwards being a wing defender, Beasley and, and D'Lo are going to, what, average 65 minutes of time combined over the course of the game? And those are guys that opposing teams that Nick Nurse will say, all right, the Timberwolves stuck with us for the first 43 minutes of this game. Let me show you what we got these last five. And they will be exploited. But having both Josh Okogie and Jared Culver, now two options there, that is extremely valuable. Not in the idea that you remove D'Angelo completely or Malik completely from the situation. But if those guys are both above average bordering on good options there, it becomes easier to hide those guys. Right. And Toronto's going to have to dig harder and they're going to have to hunt more to find that matchup. And sometimes you only got 24 seconds on the shot clock. If you can distract enough with multiple good wing defenders, you can hide your you can hide your bad guys more. So it is it I I think it's huge if both Culver and Akoki are what we saw in the preseason on that end. Right. And I think that um if the Wolves have any stones about it, uh-oh. They will say to D'Lo, why should you be in at the end of the game instead of Ricky Rubio when we need stops? I Yeah, I mean, I think it maybe it becomes an offense-defense thing, but, I mean, but, uh, you can't see them, them not, not going to like that. <laughs> true, true. I mean, that's true. the crazy thing is that, you know, I mean, uh, and, and – it's it, it's one of the reasons that, I mean, Rubio always felt problematical to me. He's almost too good of an alternative. I mean, he messes with, with, with rotations. He, I mean, if, you know, you talked about 4-11, if they go 4-11 and, and Rubio is still coming off the bench, it's going to be an interesting thing. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh you know, let me let me ask you this. What do you think the all right? So let's let's paint a picture right. where hopefully this isn't the case because I think Detroit's pretty garbage. Okay, but but it's on Wednesday night. The Wolves are up by one, and there's five minutes left in the game. 
who do you think the Wolves should close that game with? You know, considering that, you know, the Pistons are going to probably be out there with Plumlee, Griffin, like Josh Jackson, Derek Rose, and Killian Hayes, something like that. Like, uh-huh. who, what are, you know, focus on Blake Griffin and Derek Rose. But, like, that's all that really matters. Who, who do the Wolves close with in that situation? I think you have to play Okogie on Rose. And I think Rose will be their go to guy. I mean, okay. Rose or Griffin. I mean, obviously, um, you know, I mean, I, I, but I, who's guarding Blake then? Huh? Who's guarding Blake if you put well, Okogie? Well, I don't, I don't think you can put Okogie on Blake. I mean, I think you have to I, put Layman. You need length at least. You need some length. I mean, I get the whole he's got the wingspan of a 6'8 guy. I mean, that was, that was almost a laughable reach in my view. Uh, I disagree with that. I think it makes sense. Okay. Well, I think but, I think Josh Okogi might be a better option to defending Blake Griffin than Jake Lehman would be. I think Jake Lehman is moment. is a smarter positional defender than Josh Okogi. Sure. Josh Okogi thrives with contact. Blake Griffin eats contact for breakfast. I mean, <laughs> that's true. I mean, if 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 Josh Okogi really wants to see if he can go up vertical against Blake Griffin <laughs> he better wear a little pad on the back of his head because Blake Griffin will saying, enjoy that let's weigh it against the alternatives and and I think I think you do put Josh on Rose to to close you the have game, to. so I mean because yeah, De- I, because Derek we saw Derek Rose even at the time he was here Derek Rose yeah. will always believe when he's 50 years old he will believe just like Jamal Crawford did that the ball is in my hands at the end of the game, folks. You know? Yeah, right. And and Blake is going to have to understand that, I think. Um, and so then you have a situation where so so we've nailed down that we have that both Akogi and Layman need to be playing in the last five minutes. Well, I mean, again, unless you want to try, uh, you know, I mean, it, it gets gross, man. I don't. I mean. <laughs> Well, and that's why you said, well, I don't know, Detroit's, uh, you know, pretty bad. I got to tell you, I'm not necessarily expecting a win on Wednesday night. I, I think it's, the Wolves can make hay when when those guys aren't out there. You mentioned they got a solid closing. Line. You mentioned the DeLon, DeLon Wright actually has been shooting pretty well this preseason. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're a funny team and Plumlee is a stealth decent guy on offense for his passing and movement without the ball. I mean, you know, yeah, but cat's going to kill him. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about that because of, again, because of Blake and also because Dwayne Casey is a very, very good defensive coach. Um, yeah. But if they, if the wolves, like it's a pretty, this is, if the D cat thing is good, this is pretty much the team you take advantage of here. If D can put any pressure on the big dropping back after he gets a screen there and Plumlee's got a shuffles feet scrambling backwards, like it should just be I, kick out I, to cat I, I, or I, find another cutter. That should be all day in that game. I actually do think that that is going to be a very interesting, um, but then the question becomes, um, do you need Malik Beasley for that game then, you know? I mean, do you Dude. want a defender there? And that's the thing that we get that's back to. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, this is a perfect entree, unless we haven't exhausted this conversation, with rotations are going to be um, a really fascinating thing. And then the, totally. 
the other another point I'm, I'm really pumping this column because I just got through writing it and so uh, uh, but anyway is um, an independent identity for Ryan Saunders that's one hold of on the- hold on hold on hold okay. on we got to get this you got to give me your, your your last five minute lineup you gave me a Kogi and Layman oh yeah okay, Who okay, are okay, this okay, is okay. that is a critical that is this All is right. a very important right. question this is uh, better this is more important than well I Ryan's mean, identity which is interesting well I mean I will give you the Ryan Saunders answer which is a not a bad answer which is a lot of it depends on how the game is gone I mean well, what if- I'm telling you how the game is gone, though. It's a tie game, and there's four or five minutes left. And obviously, if it's a tie game, Blake and D Rose have played well. Okay, but and you're going to need to be conscientious. And who has 18 among those two guys? I mean, that's one okay. of the things that you know. I mean, if if, if your top priority is Blake, that's fair. If your top priority is D Rose, uh, you know, and maybe uh, Killian Hayes is out of his no. mind. You know, I, I, no, he's not. No, 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 no. Probably no. not. No, he oh. looks. Yeah, no. I know. Okay, so let's say I think it's more likely that Blake has a really strong game. Okay. So so that becomes as as you put on your Ryan Saunders hat, you go, we need to be concerned about controlling Blake Griffin here in these last four or five minutes. Where do you start with who's guarding him? How many falls does Cat have on him? Four. Ah. With a minute left to go though, right? Five minutes okay, to go. Five the whole clutch time. Oh man, tough. I, I think that because uh, that's about when the closing lineup will be in, right? Like yeah, generally speaking, right, right. Right. Hang on for a minute. My phone's ringing. I'm gonna let it go. <laughs> <laughs> Mister Popular. I done. Yeah. I'm sure it's uh you know your your car warranty is expired. <laughs> uh, do you get those calls? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. Okay. Or Marriott. I, I made a mistake when I went to Oklahoma City signing up for Marriott, man. Worst thing I ever did. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been to a Marriott since, but I have gotten like well, eighty eight contacts. That was that was that trip. We were yeah, we were that, in Dallas yeah, together yeah. and you went to OKC right. and yeah, that was, it was the, the Chris worst Paul game of the year. Tuck your shirt in. Oh my god. Yeah, that was oh a great All right. Okay. So, All right. so, if, if, so, if so Blake's Gr- going off. If Blake Griffin is going off and Cat has four fouls, otherwise I'd say give Cat the assignment. And, and make it so that Cat doesn't have to worry about cutters. All he has to worry about is Blake Griffin. Because when Cat has one thing to do, he's not too bad. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be my first option. If he picks up a fifth foul, then you get him off Blake Griffin. Um, I think I agree with that. I think you got to put Cat on Blake, too. I'm, I'm with you there. And then, you know, you, you maybe you put Wancho on, um, on Plumley and just hope for the best. Because Wancho... But they're going to hunt, Britt. I know. They're going to do the Bertons thing, hey, right? Listen, I've already told you I think they're going to be terrible on defense. I'm not arguing with you. I mean, yeah, there's right. too many holes. Um, and you have- I, I've heard you list off a lot of players who are going to be in this game, and none of them are guards yet. So. Well, and that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> the wing – I mean, all right. I would put – I would. Put, I know I said Okogie was going to be on um, – uh, I, I, he's a forward this year. Oh, oh, no, Kogi will be on D Rose. <laughs> okay, all right. And, all right. and I would say that um, if um, I think you have to, for, for the reasons you mentioned, I think D'Lo should close this game because he's such yes. a threat on on offense. Um, Given, yep. But if you have Beasley and D'Lo in the backcourt and Okogi is your three um, on D Rose, that means Beasley has to guard. The three, which I guess is right. Um, um, 
I don't know. I mean, that, that's a, I, I think it does remain to be seen. I, I, I think that Cat, D'Lo, Okogi, um, either Rubio or Culver, and, um, and. See, I think if you're going to put Cat on Blake Griffin, you don't got to worry about playing a power forward. Yeah, I mean, I. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you could go with, you could go with D'Lo, Beasley, J.O., and Rubio. Yeah, but I put it this way. I would rather see Culver or Edwards out there instead of Beasley if D'Lo and Cat are cooking. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you there. And and it would help to be able to, <laughs> like, somebody's got to guard Mason Plumley too, yeah, you know. Right. Not that he's well, really a threat, I mean. but that's like why, a box That's out. why I would put Wancho maybe on him. You know, okay. I yeah. mean, if you're going to put Cat on Griffin, I think you put Wancho. Um, because the other thing about Wancho is they'll have to cross match. If Blake Griffin sure. is worrying about where Wancho is, uh, or yeah. Mason Plumley is about where Wancho is, then mm-hmm. then you've got uh, you put D'Lo and Cat in a box on the pick and roll, and zip it either weak side or back pass it on the slot to Wancho. I mean, that, that's a 42% shooter. Theoretically, at least he was for 14 games in Minnesota. So that's uh, a theory. You're right. Yeah. Right. Well, um, yeah Wancho so, needs to hit shots and get a lot of putbacks to be even worth $7 million. Sure. So is Rubio on the floor? Let's uh, we'll say the forwards are going to be cat and Wancho. Or the bigs are going to be. I don't see a reason for Rubio to be on the floor unless you want him to guard Derrick Rose, which is interesting. Yeah, not a good matchup for him. Well, I uh, I I agree. Rubio struggles with quicks. Yeah, except the thing about D Rose is that, um, and he is very quick, but he's also a straight line guy usually. I mean, he does have a crossover, he does have a floater, but for the most part. Um, the reason I like Okogi is because uh, mm-hmm. Rose doesn't like the body. I mean, if, if he gets yeah. knocked around, um, you know, he's 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 been dinged up a lot. Uh, so, you know, but you know that however the game turns out, it's going to be so much different than what we're describing. You know, I know, but it's an interesting thought exercise is that we've been talking about this for like 12 minutes right. and we don't really know. Oh, no. Like, and, and, and that's the what I'm saying is let's get to Ryan Saunders now, Yeah. because this is his shot. This year, sure. um, I think it's fair to say that a lot of people feel like he is unqualified to be the head coach. And they follow two lines of thinking on that. One, he's a nepotism product. He's a country club guy. Two, he's Rosas's yes man. It's one of those things or both. Sure. What does Ryan Saunders do well? He relates to players. He's a player's coach, number one. And in his time after he replaced Tibbs, he, he showed, a, I think, a pretty good instinctual knack for in-game substitutions that weren't always conventional. I think I think that's a really good thing to, to highlight because both of those two things are exactly what are going to be necessary. I mean, you've got cat mm-hmm. heavy grief. You never know what his moods are going to be like up and down, how ready he is to play. Um, you've got 
a bunch of players. There are log jams at the wing positions because they're not two-way players. They could justify being on the court for at least half the possessions as being better than the other guy. Um, you've got a lot of, you know, high salary guys who may or may not deserve as much minutes as a Culver or an Edwards, you know, and you've also got, by the way, two first round picks that you want to develop along the way. All of those things require a really good coach player relationship with a guy you can go to and voice your displeasure and get talked down. And a guy who is not afraid to go with his gut at a certain instance to work things through. I mean, if there is ever a situation where Ryan Saunders gets to create his own identity apart from Rosas, it's this one. So then the question becomes, will Rosas let him? Or does Rosas have a conversation with him after the game going, hey, you know, with eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter, you went with X. Um, I'm not sure that really fits the way what, what we're trying to do here. You know, um, I don't know if those kinds of conversations happen. You know what, Brett? I used to be more of the like a year ago, if we were having this conversation, I used to think that was more of a thing. And and what I can say now from the conversations I've had is I don't I don't think it's that micro. I I pretty much know it's not that micro. I think Rosas has an input on playing time to the end that he has full autonomy to do whatever the hell he wants to do to the roster. Like get rid of Jefferson. Which I was going to say, yeah, that, that's the thing. If he thought that Ryan was going to play him, then he can he can take that right out of his hands. I mean, and, and we see that around the league. That was that was a whole thing in Denver last year. That was part of the reason Malik and Wancho got traded right. was because Connolly wanted there to Porter. be more intention of playing Michael Porter Jr., right? Like, it, it's Who, by it's the way, thing. is still going to sit for Will Barton. I love Malone. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess what, what I'm trying to say with Ryan is is I think there is more of he can do and will do what he believes within the roster that, that Gerson has given him. Now, is he somewhat of a – I don't want to say slave. Um, yes, man. You know, following – yes, man, to to the how the system has to be. I would imagine – Gerson did some like voodoo to get Ryan in his head that this is the best way for us to play. Right. He's going to play. No, I and, believe and Ryan, Ryan. I believe Ryan is on board with the system, honestly, yeah. not just as a means yeah. to keep his job or whatever. But I, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I do think that um, I, I agree with what you're saying essentially. But I think a good example will be like why did Gerson Rosas trade for Ed Davis, which they gave up a 2024 second round pick to to get at Davis and for no financial relief really, or anything. It was this, you know, this actually it would have been, they took back a little bit more money in that trade than what they sent out in Evans and Spellman. Isn't that kind of a Rosa's trying to get Ryan to play at Davis move. They were pretty desperate. If you remember, there was great. Hugh but Clark. Ryan's not going to play him, but Ryan's not going to play him. No, no. But what I mean is I think probably Rosa's understands that I, th I, everybody, I actually thought he was he was acquired to be a power forward. I know 100% of his minutes the last two seasons have been a backup mm -hmm. center, but I still see – I think their backup center is Nas Reed. Always has been, in my view. 
Um, See, that's new to me. I was I thought it was going to be Davis up until that last game, and now I'm pretty sure it's Nas Reed is going to be the the cat backup just because he moves the ball better. And, and I again, also I also think that that is Rosas's preference because he's such a system mm. guy. Plus, yeah. he's cheap. I mean that can't ever so be. Cheap. If you can, if you can, de- well, he's on that. If you, de- he's on that same ten k a day deal. If you, he's on a non guaranteed contract. If you are able to develop cheap players, I mean that's the kind of thing that you know. That's when Rosas and Gupta fist bump at five p.m. You know, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, it, once you have yeah. that going for you, then you could do all kinds of other things, and so. They would love to have that as a feather in the cap, which is why I, I was really baffled at the way they screwed around with J-Mac. But um, they did. They managed to get. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, hold on, hold on. They got what they if wanted. You and I were, if you and I were the, if you were Rosas and I was Gupta, we would have done the exact same thing in that situation. You mean just that was, squeeze him because you had leverage. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I know. They offered him, they offered him an NBA contract. They offered him a Gupta special. Right. And. The, the the same Jalen Noel, the Nas Reed deal. They offered him that contract. McLaughlin turned it down. Now you're a restricted free agent. And all the, like his agent was telling him, oh, these other teams, they want you, they want you. Where was the offer sheet? Offer sheet didn't come in. And Rosa said, bet, like, go, like, go get your offer sheet and we'll decide if we want to sign it. Right. They didn't get the offer sheet yeah, and freaking Thursday rolled around and, and McLaughlin was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll take it. That's just like, that's playing the game. That's how they're going to play the game. And I think that's how you and I would, would play the game too. I, I misspoke when I talked about this on my last podcast. McLaughlin's a restricted free agent again. Oh, he is? Year. Yeah, I, thought, I he, thought that. I thought he was able to bet on himself this way. Well, that's the bet on himself is that he's betting that there's going to be more, <laughs> more be offers out there. Last, which, I mean, like, there probably will be more. How? There's more space. Well, there's more space out there next year. You know. I don't I mean, know. Well, that's the bet. I he got his agent did a bad job. He had a great year last year, and he will not have the opportunity to have as good a year this year. I'm saying, dude, that's the agent's fault. Yeah. The agent, the agent has to go. You got to have some rapport with the team that says, "Hey, we know, we know that the Timberwolves are going to match this. Put the offer down there, um, and do it." Like the agent didn't like if he has a more powerful agent. Yeah, that like that gets done. I, Rosas and Gupta are like they're doing another one of your five p.m. fist bumps. Yeah, they got a, they got a player who should be, you know, he in the, be on an NBA bucks, contract. Right. He should be, and and they got him on a two way, which opens up another roster spot, which opens up right. that luxury tax space we talked about. They basically did the Hollis Jefferson thing with him too. If if they have if they have McLaughlin and they sign Rondé Hollis Jefferson, they're like a couple hundred thousand dollars away from the tax. They can't make the PJ Tucker deal. So there's fist bumpable right, right. process yep. there, See? you know? Yep. And that's, that's the game. You know, that's the game. And, and McLaughlin could still play. He can still play in like 50 games this year, which he will, you know? So I, I think that's and go back Im- to Iowa. important to nail down. Well, if Iowa exists, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what the deal is going to be there, but I mean, I think actually third point guard is pretty important on this team. And you don't think that'll be Noel? No, no, I don't, I don't think I don't think Noel is a point guard. I I would agree with you. I think he's a Tyler Hero point guard. Sure, like I call those like a one and a half. Yeah, 
I think he's like a one and a half. And I think on this team in this system, it's pretty important to have a one, one, you know, like it's gotta be, you gotta have D'Lo Rubio or J-Mac out there at the one on this team. And I think that's why we didn't see Culver really do it last year. Um, you know, when, yeah. when Wiggins was doing it, like Napier was still out there, whatever. Well, not like, only that, but it, it, uh, the, the whole purpose for that was to have two combo guards, to have Culver and Wiggins beside each other. And that sure. was when the handwriting was on the wall about how terrible Jared Culver was. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you cannot do that, you know? Yeah. Let, let's also like, let's also be clear. Like Jordan McLaughlin's better than Jalen Noel. Um, like uh, Jalen Noel, Britt, come on. Jalen Noel put up 20 in the second half of a preseason game. Jordan McLaughlin did that in NBA games no, last no. year. I, I told you, know me, I'm a huge J-Mac fan. What I am saying though, I is know that. I, I don't think that Noel hurts the system as much as you do. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I think that I you can put that. him at the I, one. I like Jalen. No, no. But what I mean is I think that, um, I think that he can be an NBA point guard against second units. He can't see. I think. I think what happens is, is you put him out there against the second a second unit point guard, and that second unit point guard picks him up full court. And I think it, you know, stymies the whole sort of thing. Like I, I just yeah, don't maybe. think. He's got I mean, that. I, I, it would be interesting to see. Um, it, it would be. But at the end of the day, we're talking about like J Max not in the ten man rotation. Right. So we're talking about no, right. who has the spot. Right. Not... Yeah, yeah. Right. Who has the spot out of the rotation? But but again, I would say it matters because man, Rubio doesn't look healthy or something right now. He looks so slow in these preseason games. Well which I, I don't know. I, I'm just saying it's not like Rub I, I think Rubio's gonna be fine. And I think Dilo's gonna be fine. But but historically neither of them are beacons of health. Right. Where if you lose one of them for an injury for two weeks or for COVID for two weeks, like it's pretty important to have Jordan McLaughlin, I think. I also think it's dawning on this team what they're up against. What do you mean by that? I mean that I think the roster is understanding that they're in for a rough season. You think that after Jake Lehman said the playoffs are the goal today and a reasonable expectation? Quote, direct quote? Uh, yes, I do. Because I, I – Interesting. I think that, um, first of all, no one is going to say, no, we're not going to make the playoffs this year. No player – He didn't have to say it. The, he didn't have to say it the way he said it, though. He did. Yeah, I, no, I, I, I think that Jake Lehman – I think he meant it. I, I think he meant it, too. I, I think that um, – I think that's just because Jake Lehman is consumed with his task. He has something he has to learn that will enable him to acquire more value and will also help the team. Ricky Rubio doesn't have anything to learn. Um, hmm. You know, Carl uh, Anthony Towns has seen this before. Um Look, Memphis just spanked them twice. Dallas's starters had comfortable double-digit leads. I mean, 
I don't want to get too down on this team because they have talent, but they also have a lopsided roster. They're wing heavy. They're one-way player heavy. Um, and they don't have continuity. Memphis and Dallas have continuity, and that was a big reason why they spanked them when, when they're con- yeah, that, the continuity guys were out and there. That's you know? point one. That's you. point one. And so, I mean the, – It's why they're going to get destroyed by Utah in the second game. Okay, well, so there you go. And so yeah. – And I think um, Ricky Rubio – who I should say I would bet on that. I, who knows for sure. Ricky but Rubio, I'm, I'm who not, played for Utah you know, two years ago, uh, probably knows that team. You know, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is uh, – I would be surprised if Ricky Rubio turns to his wife or whoever is living with him right now and says, uh, you know, things are looking up, you know, we're, we're going to be a really good team. Um, you know, <laughs> no, I don't, yeah, I don't, I also think, yeah, Ricky probably has a better vision of it than, you know, than some of the other guys do. I think like 23, 24 year old Malik Beasley is just like, he's paid. Uh, and he's ready well, he's to paid prove and, He's ready to prove things. And he just seems like he's just living his life right now on like multiple cans of energy drink and just ah playoffs. I'm gonna run around before the game first starts. I'm gonna guard Luca and I'm gonna do first team all D. Like that dude's on one. And which is by a kid. the way, I mean, is young. He is a bad defender. No matter how hard he. Thank does. you. Thank you. No matter how hard he like. Does. He's little. He's little. I mean, he's not a he's not a big guy, and he doesn't have the he doesn't have the mental defensive aptitude. I love to see the effort. That's going to help. But at the end of the day, he's undersized, and he does not see the floor well defensively. He has this idea that good defense is getting a steal or getting a block. Mm-hmm. That is his vision, and you see him out there sometimes, and he smacks his hands together like, "Damn it, I missed that interception." Well, you know what you still got to do? You Because you missed the interception, your guy now has the ball. So you got to guard him. If you're slapping your leg, Luca's going right by you and, and dunking on you. Like, it is the defense with – we're going to have to be able to parse the difference between what effort looks like and what effectiveness looks like defensively. And with Malik Beasley, I'm very sure that the numbers will tell the story. And I do think that teamwork – by nature is exponential. So if you have two really good players on the floor, they're greater than the sum of their parts. If you have two really bad defenders on the floor, it's even worse than their individual sum. It's worse than Agreed. the sum of their parts. And so when you okay. have Deal and Beasley out there, um, it's a train wreck. I mean, you all you have to do is have a, a potent point guard dribble to one side of the floor and then swing it to the potent shooting guard at the other side of the floor and watch D'Lo and Beasley um, react and then, you know, dribble penetration or something or kick to the corner or all, you know, I mean. I think the problem is going to be more Malik than it is D'Lo. Oh man. I think, did you see? I, I, I know that's probably a hot so, take or whatever. I have, it has been a long time and I've seen a lot of bad Wolves defense. It has been a long time since I've seen 
a, a, a theoretically quick backcourt player close out on three-point shooters as indifferently as D'Lo closed out in the first couple sure. of Memphis games. I'm not saying it's going to be good. No. I'm not going to say it's be good, but let's let's track this over the course of the year. Not All that right. this is the perfect way to do it, no. but we'll we'll track the eye test of it. But we'll, we'll also track we'll also track the the numbers of it. And I think Malik's going to win the eye test just because he's going to slap the floor and he's. But also, Delo does not hustle on defense. Let's face it. I and, 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 and I, I agree. And some that, of, it, and some of that I will grant you this. Delo also has a style about him that looks casual even when it's not casual. I mean, agreed. D'Lo can... Um, That's part of the reason why I think it's going to be better. He can get... He, he can get... And his wingspan is much bigger than Beasley's, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm talking myself into it. I mean, I, I, I do think that there could be a chance. But I'll tell you, man, he can't give up. He can't say... 100%. You know, he's the second coming of Kevin Love that way thus far. You know, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to get that play. You know I mean? I'm more optimistic than you about a mentality shift coming from D'Angelo Russell just in general. Okay. Kind of, you know, flicking the proverbial switch in the way that Andrew Wiggins did last year, in not which didn't make him a great player, no. but it made him more no, of a, him a lot mature player. Right, right. But I don't know. I mean, D'Lo doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who could be vulnerable to Vanterpool's magic. I mean, I, I really think totally fair. I think that he's one of those guys that thinks, "Don't jive me, man." You know, just uh, yeah. You know, no, I hear you, and I, I think I think he, I, by no means suggesting he's going to be an average defender. Right. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that. Let's just let's look at the numbers. I bet you. I bet you at the end of the year, Malik Beasley has a worse defensive real plus minus, and I bet you the defensive rating is worse with Malik Beasley on the floor than it is with D'Angelo Russell. Okay, I think that's an interesting bet. I I wouldn't take it either way because. You're asking me, you know, to answer a question we don't know shit about. Which gruel <laughs> tastes better, you know? I mean, you know, just, I don't know. Uh, I mean, what I will here's what I would say. I would say that um, this is my prediction. Anthony Edwards is going to look awful and great on defense on a regular basis. He is going to be hundred percent. He is going to be up and down on the side, you know, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, and it's not going to be 50 50. No, but it's going to be better. It's going to be better than I would have thought. It's going to be like 35 65. I think, I think a third of the plays he'll play well. Man, there, there was, there was great defensive tape on Anthony Edwards at Georgia. Oh, really? There was. Okay. There was a, a bunch I'm of it. I'm glad to hear it. Oh, not a bunch of it. Not a bunch of it. I should say a, a good amount of it. It was not even 35 65, but it was, you know, it was like 2080, and the 20 was legit good which you know that's i mean and that's where people when they enact you know the wiggins clause they go well it's never it can't improve beyond that it's, it's always going to be 2080 he's disengaged 80 percent of the time which i don't know um no but, but the 20 percent you can not, bank edward does not wiggins i mean that's been pretty obvious um uh, it wasn't when they drafted i mean how i know many, i agree how many times did you get people saying that i i, I, wrote I went it. off about i wrote that. it i said i don't we don't need an andrew wiggins type if that's what's happening i mean but again, and this is a piece, uh, a, a sentence or two I put in my column. Um, that story, that long feature was incredibly influential and very, very disinformation oriented. It was bullshit. It really turned out to be, uh, I mean, I took it 
people were talking about it all over the place. I read it and went, oh, okay, you know, here we go. This guy. The way the journalists handled handle those quotes, I thought was was terrible and as clickbaity as anything you see on ESPN. This guy is not a fragile flower as a result of his grandmother and mother dying. And this guy does not hate playing basketball or even did like playing basketball. I mean, and by the way, this guy is also somebody who is joyful, confident, honest, and guileless. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. he, he made the mistake of saying that quote, like Anthony made the mistake of saying that, but we have now, I bet you a lot of the people listening to this podcast now have watched how Anthony carries himself in just, he, he's a, he's 19. So he doesn't think about what he's going to say before right, he says right. it. He starts talking and then the thoughts flow out there. And, and he had a stupid quote right. in that to that ESPN guy who the ESPN guy was clearly like at his house and he felt comfortable. And, and you can tell that the way Edwards talks, he's just riffing. He's going to have other quotes that are Chris silly right, and maybe right. incriminating over the right. course of the year. And I hope that we use those in context of the fact of like, let's not, Let's not do the whole he hates football right. or he hates basketball and loves football right. thing the whole time because I thought the journalist completely manipulated that quote to make a story that would get the millions of reads. I'm sure it did. You know, And I think this is a guy, and I said this last time I was with you, I think he is susceptible to Vanderpool's magic. I think that those two guys, are, first of all, they both need each other. They need what the other has very, very much right now in their respective careers. And I think both of them will understand that. And I think it's going to be a very productive relationship. I think that, uh, but, uh, you know, aren't you surprised that um, I expected uh, Edwards to look like Culver looks this year. I expect him to be buff. You know, he, he's got a little bit of roundness to his shape. Well, we did a uh, we did a Zoom with Tom Crean afterwards. Me, me, Chris, and Jace were on there, and Ed Crean was awesome talking about him. I mean, it was Crean's fantastic. Um, but he talked about he's like he's got a French fry addiction, <laughs> like, and he's like he's gonna have to work that stuff out. But he's you right. know he's nineteen. He's right. like he loves his canes, and because he, he was talking about how Edwards had came to one of their practices this year. And he was like, he was there, he was just sitting on the sidelines, eating his canes and watching his practice. And then he came and uh, rebounded for some guys after we were done. And he was like, he's going to have, he's going to have his French fries issues, but you know, he'll be able to work that out. And I mean, what we can't say confidently about this, this Timberwolves organization is they, they are looking heavily into those sort of things. Right. Robbie Sika is on it as we speak. Right. (laughs) Yeah, he is parsing like calorie number three hundred through right, five hundred right, from right. yesterday. So, but it is so, surprising yeah. to me that uh, he looked a little bit rounder than I expected. But even so, man, uh, you know what a load. I mean, he he is somebody who uh, uh, I I think it's going to really. Hit, I, I don't see why anybody would ever play him in the backcourt. He's got to be a three, four, and he's got, there's a guy who may eventually become a four. Um, no, they're, I mean, because his offensive value is going to come as a creator. So like, if you want to say that Kevin Durant plays the four, maybe like that, but 
I I don't know. I, I I think I think you would be doing him a disservice to, you know, putting him in the dunker spot or something like no, that. No, what in about the, the corner way. three spot or what about the baseline crash spot? I mean, I I think that um, I think it's very similar to Ben Simmons, where Ben Simmons can competently do that, but Ben Simmons is better when the offense runs through him and he's the point guard. That could be. I mean, I. Uh, I think I am most excited about Edwards on defense thus far. I mean, I, I actually think that. Um, his, I don't know, man. My word of caution will be it's going to come in. Bits I know and pieces. it is. It it's, is. It's not going to be. But that's. I'd be too. I mean, I love I love to see that Dallas game, but. Well, and also man, he's got like, some spin around. He does. He doesn't have. And that also very good that, vision that right but now. that synergy type thing though, man, with Culver, I think that could be real. I would love to see those guys continue to come in together. What do you think those two's relationships like off the floor? Oh, probably distant, <laughs> but also intrigued with each other because they both know they're playing well. I mean, you know, um, I don't think they, that, that would be a big step of growth for Jarrett. You, if he could, he would, if he can connect with Edwards in a way off the floor, I think that would be that. I think that's probably required for your hypothesis to come true. And I don't know, like we are obviously much further removed than that, but that now this season than we were a year ago, I don't think that was a strong suit of Jarrett's was being able to connect with his teammates and right. But who knows? He's right. changed a lot of stuff about his, his game and his mentality and, and all those. But, and and also things. maybe uh, uh, he, I think this is a guy who clearly needs to earn his status to chirp at all. I mean, he did have that one dunk on Robin Lopez that, you know, went viral within the Wolves community. But, uh, you know, I know, I know. But what I'm saying is I do think that if he earns something and he knows he's earned something, I think he'll be more outgoing. I think that he's not the kind of guy he's been told all his life more than likely, you know, uh, don't toot your own horn. Um, and so as a result, you know, I think he's a humble dude. And so I think, it, I, I think that if he continues to play really well with Edwards and they both understand, you know, one is six, six, one ninety five, twenty one 21 years old. And one is six, five, two twenty five, and 19 years old. Um, you know, then, you know, you might be cooking. Then, then you have uh, something where, you know. I guess I'm just still wrapping my head around the idea that they're the backcourt of the future. <laughs> I think you they're know? the like, wing, wing, the wing combo of the future, not the backcourt. Sure, yeah, yeah, wing combo, right, right. Um, let uh, let's let's pin down three numbers before you go. Okay. Where the where this team ranks offensively, where this team ranks defensively, and how many games they win. Um, I think it. Here's what I would say. I will answer the questions, but I think it is far more likely that many, many things happen that render whatever I say to be boot. I sure. think I think that whether it's injuries, well, welcome to podcasting. <laughs> whether it's injuries, a big uh, trade, um, uh, a recognition that they have a chance to get that number three pick because things are not going well. Or on the flip side, you know, hey, all we need is this one piece and we we are a legit playoff or whatever. Sure. All that said, 
I would say eighth on offense, 26th on defense, uh, 26 wins or 25 wins, and a 13th seed. Okay. So brief. So where I'm at is 13th on offense, 22nd on defense, and 29 wins. Um, and well, one, I think we're both under Vegas. Last I looked, that was, I think it was, I don't know. I think it's more. Well, and under guys like John Hollinger, who thinks they're going to finish 500. John Hollinger also thinks Rondi Hollis Jefferson was like the fourth best player on the Timberwolves. Well, I mean, again. <laughs> which, which probably 80% of the people listening right now are like, I agree. No, but, and, and, but... <laughs> and the other thing about John and I give him credit for this. This is not. Oh, I love John. No, no, yeah. this this is not a, rat, a knock on him, but he did it with Purr and he did it with some other things. If he invents a formula, he trusts his formula. His formula mm-hmm. says that Rodney Hollis Jefferson is way undervalued. Sure. Formula says that he's like he's like a five or six million dollar player. Well, and what I respect about John is he watches a yeah, he shit ton of basketball right. too. Right. So it's it's it, he, he considers, you know, both situations. Um, why I, I thought generally speaking, I went into it thinking the Wolves were going to be a top 10 offense and two things changed my perception. One, the idea that I think this is going to take a little while for them to start clicking just as a team. So if you, if we say there's going to be four or six weeks where they're not optim, you know, they're not, operating where they're going to be operating offensively in the aggregate, that's going to have some knockdown, right? Down from eight. I think, you know, drops them down a little bit, but plus what really did it in for me was Matt, try and make a, make a list of the offenses in this, in the league this year. I know there's some, really I, good I, I would challenge you to, if you're at eight, I bet if you went through and with a, a pen and paper after this and tried to do it, I don't think you'd be able to put the wolves above 22 teams. Oh, interesting. It's just like, I mean, there's teams like Brooklyn was 21st in offense last year. Like, they jump up yeah, in, they, you know, into the conversation. Right, right. There's, there's, and even like go a couple tiers down. There's like the Phoenix. Like, are the Wolves gonna have a better offense than Phoenix? No. Are they gonna have a better offense than even like another tier down, Atlanta? Like, hard to say. I think probably yes. But it, it's what I kind of got to is there was I, I went, I saw six teams that for sure the Wolves can't really touch the elite offenses. Like they, they Dallas, won't, no, I'm not right, even considering right, that. Right. Yeah, and then I saw another group of like ten teams that the Wolves were in, and it's like, you know, a bunch of different variables can happen. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you're you're probably right. I, I would think it. that you know, as you as you frame the question for me, I can easily see how eight is too optimistic. I would throw back at you the twenty second seems very optimistic. See, and I want to run this by you because I I talked about this before, where I think this defensive scheme has a floor to it based in analytics where by prioritizing allowing a lower value of shots in the way it does it has a floor that won't let the team be a bottom five defense why in the world would you stop at 11 feet out on this defense why wouldn't you keep going right to the rim who is going to stop you because it's wide open man and that's why I'm just saying that might be wrong, but that's why watch and two dribbles and you get the end one. I mean, you know, it's just, uh, I, I'm just saying this is, this is, I'm doing macro okay, 10,000 feet. A smart offensive coach is going to say 
take it to the hole. Get Cat in foul trouble. Once he is in foul trouble, he has to stay in the game because they need him on offense. We will have a layup line. And you will get to the hole because Malik Beasley and D'Lo are on you. I mean, I just don't see if you have D'Lo, Beasley, and Cat as I, as 60% of your defense. I've literally ripped on the defense this entire podcast. Right, I'm with right, you. Right. And my, the other side of my point, and this is what I want to run by you, is I think this scheme has a hard ceiling, even with better personnel, of being like 15th in the league. I think in its conservatism, it creates a floor of like being 25th or better in defense. And I think it creates a ceiling of not being able to be an above average defense. And, and if you want to go to like points of reference, that was Portland, right? Right. It's the Vantapool system that that's what I think it is. I think if you have a center like Nurkic or like cat, and the way you decide to use them in this very conservative way, you're never going to be a team that's good offensively. I think you never will. But you will be able to create a floor that isn't absolute crap defensively. But and 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 I think there's just going to be five teams that are worse than them. Okay. Like or more than yeah. More All than right, five. Cleveland. I'm trying to think of them. I mean, you know, there's just not that. See, it's. That defense, defense I found was harder than offense in this way, where like a lot of times the bottom five Maybe defenses. Maybe Dallas. No, they have Josh Richardson and stuff. I think they'll actually be above average. I love Dallas, but I mean, you know, Portland finished 20, 26th to 27th last year. I mean, Washington was last. Charlotte was, was terrible last season. The, the thing is, Bert, like New York, I mean, the bottom five defenses are usually – not huge. I mean, almost always injuries or tanking. Right, right. And like, well, the Wolves have the, the potential w- to get injured, but they do have depth. And and so I just but don't not think that they're defensive depth. I don't know, mm-hmm. man. I, it's it's it's. Um... They can be an awful defense and still finish twenty second, twenty third, twenty fourth. I guess that's my my point. Okay. And you think I'm not? I'm not trying to give them any. And gold you think stars. they're going to win twenty nine games? Yeah, that's the equivalent of 33. What did I say, 26, 25? 26, okay. yeah. I think we're both below, I don't know, I got to look at some of the other things around. I think 538 just put out their stuff and, you know, we'll, we'll see. But that's not a playoff team. My 29 isn't a playoff team. You're right. not even, you're not. Well, you know. You I, maybe I, were sniffing the top 10 at one point and then you kind of lost it. That's I actually think that um, – I mean, I've said it. Oklahoma City and San Antonio, maybe Sacramento. I think they'll battle for 12. Yeah, and I'm saying I think it's going to come in different waves. Like, this season's going to be weird where they could start off hot or other teams could start off hot. You know, a team loses – Dallas loses Luka for six games because of – you know, like there's going to be some swings in that. And ultimately, I think the Wolves – I do think they have the upside to get that ninth or tenth. See, but ultimately, if we play this out a thousand times, I think they're outside of that outside of that tenth spot. Okay, I know we're getting ready to wrap it up. But one of the things I want to say is, um, it's it's another point I have in the piece, a point of interest, whatever you want to call it, and it hinges on the fact 
do you believe that Rosas is unaware how lopsided his team is? Do you think he's comfortable with that? I don't think he's comfortable with that. I think if he has the chance to make a big trade, he will. Oh, 100%. And I think... I don't think he's comfortable with it either. And I don't think they're just going to build out a team that is striving to be number one or two in offense and number 20 in defense. I think he... I think he wants to do it today and just doesn't have the opportunities. It, it's That's why they get so active at every one of these trade windows is because he just feels it's about finally getting to a volume of moves and they'll eventually get there. And so, so yeah. And so I would say that the other thing, a point of interest is I call it shaking the snow globe, which he did twice last year. He's, I think he, I think he will try to do it again. I think, I think one of the, like, I think they're going to do it twice in the middle of the season. They're going to shake the, shake the snow globe because I think they're going to try and get involved in the hardened deal, which will shake it up to some degree, whether that's Tucker or I don't know, call it like Daniel House or something. Like, Man, I, think I love get Daniel involved House. In that. Daniel House sounds is great. Yeah, why wouldn't Houston a terrible keep dude, Daniel? But why would Daniel House be kept by Houston? Well, they all hate him. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? You remember what went down in the bubble? No. I'm, I'm oblivious. Yeah, well, he was the one who had the chick in his room. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. That's right. I got it, got it, got it. Right, it was right, a whole right, thing. right. I remember now. Right, right. So I Daniel Huss is a real good player and he makes three million dollars this exactly. year, three million dollars next exactly. year. Exactly. But that's the reason they might trade him. But they're getting rid of all the guys who it matters I, if I, they I, hit I, him. I don't know. I wasn't I'm I know, not suggesting I know. a Daniel Huss. I, 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 I'm just saying Rosa's and Gupta are going to try and get their fingers in that pie. And it's going to be, it's probably going to be like a Jimmy Butler timing deal right. where it's, you know, like 13 games into the season right. and, and, you know, something happens. They're going to try and get involved in that. I think they're already leaving the breadcrumbs here with this Hollis Jefferson, you know, waving that they're interested in doing that. And then, and then there's going to be the trade deadline again, where I think they'll try and, because I, I say this all the time and they, they want to win every deal by 2%. But, because they know they ultimately need to add. But I think it's they're not waiting for free agency in a year or two. I, I mean, let's put it this way. I don't think the Timberwolves have enough cachet to get a great free agent. I think that they have to do. Or cap space. I think they have to do the, um, I mean, even Atlanta's cap space. What did Atlanta get out of all that cap space? They got some really good players, but they don't have a signature star on that team. I mean, you could argue Trey Young, but Trey Young is a booby, yeah. booby prize for Luca. I mean, you know, um, I'm not sure. That, I mean, look at all the, you know, the the, the capital. So, that, are you trying to say that you think they're going to make a big trade for a star player in the middle of this season? I think what they're going to try to do is move some big pieces. You know, maybe it's Stilo, maybe it's even Cat, or maybe it's, um, you know, uh, out of middle of the season. I don't know about that. If you could be had, I mean, what's stopping Rosas? Well, there's some um, there's some personal elements that could be stopping both of those two names you did. So if you trade D'Lo, that's a whole conversation with Cat. And and if you you know trade Cat, you're the guy who just traded the dude whose mom died of COVID nineteen. 
So it, I don't think any of those. I, I'm not saying D'Angelo Russell is never going to get traded or Carl Anthony Towns is never going to get traded. That I'm not saying okay. that at all. And, and what I'm saying is there is no way in hell you trade Cat without his prior approval. Are you saying to me mm. that Carl yeah, yeah, that yeah. Carl Anthony Towns doesn't want to doesn't want to leave necessarily? I mean, let's say he oh, wants. To, okay, okay, I get let's what you're say saying. Let's say it's Brooklyn. He, he, he silently tries to. He silently tries to leverage his way out, or respectively tries to leverage his way out. Or he maybe they just have else. a feel your out conversation via his agent or something. I mean, I don't know. I, I my my I I don't think that's a during the season thing. I think it's probably not an off season thing, but if. It's even considered. I think Rosas goes. We're not doing anything this season, no matter what. Like, let's let's wait until we have a better understanding of the landscape. And of the I'm rest not of even necessarily saying it's saying it's going to happen, but I do think shaking the snow globe can get uh, consequential in a hurry. I mean, the NBA is full of jaw dropping shit. You know, I mean, no, I, oh, right. oh, I, all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute now. You really, that guy's going there, you know? I mean, think about how many jaw-dropping related things have happened to just Paul George exactly, over the past exactly. like, three years. Indiana, OKC, right. Clippers, terrible in the playoffs, signs a max extension. Yeah, right. no, you're right. And could be gone it, in two years. It's a total, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 you're right. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't want, I, I you know me, I love thinking about the cap. I love thinking about trades. I want to just let's just do basketball for a couple of weeks here, like some actual game. Can we do that? Right. Can we just and see after what this four team of eleven, like? what say you? <laughs> we'll do another podcast. <laughs> no, but what I mean is, uh, is you know, what if what if this? Uh, and again, you know, I'm spitballing. Everybody's going to hear this and go, "Oh, you think Scrap's going to get Cat's going to get taken?" You know. Oh, good thing we tucked this in past the ninety minute mark. <laughs> I don't know. We got some wonderful diehards that listen to us. So I'm sure somebody's listening. Yeah, that's true. But so at the end of the day, all I'm saying is I don't think anything is off the table because if it is, what the hell is Gerson Rosas doing with this roster? I mean, it makes no sense. No, it's not off the table. I, I, uh, it, it wouldn't make sense. I, I'm, I'm totally with you there. I just, maybe I'm just a, a yes man to my idea <laughs> that I think 2021 off season is going to be the time. That's just always, that's been my, my theory on this, that things get, that's when like, it's, it's not just they're shaking up the snow globe. It's like Gerson standing on one side of the front office and Sasha on the other side and they're playing catch with it. Okay. Like, I think, but, I think that's but they are going to need willing players, players. I mean, the Wolves will, will probably at that point, have like 16 of 17 years out of the playoffs uh you know yeah. with what kind of with what kind of raw materials you know i mean well, that's the challenge dude i would say so i mean I, and i think what you have to do is you have to walk before you can run maybe you know that's why i've always maintained i want the 20 million dollar guy that another team wants to punt to get the $30 million guy or get the $40 million guy. I don't think. And I've, and I've been telling you that's Malik Beasley or Ricky Rubio. Yeah, I know. And I'm not I mean, sure that, you know, I, I I think again, probably Malik, man, Malik is, I, I, I actually am somebody who doesn't think that contract is 
that terrible in a vacuum. In a vacuum, I, it's I, not. Well, no, yeah, I, I, I'm, I mean, I'm fine with it. And I mean, let's face it, he's got to he's got to make at least thirty seven percent of his threes this year. I just think it's going to be underwhelming this year. I think I think it's going to be really tricky to get him going offensively with the D'Lo dynamic. He'll basically only really be able to run with that Rubio unit. I think that those will be his flashes, and I think his defense will be exposed in a starter's role as not being very good. And mix in a five game suspension that's you know going to be coming here in the next month or two. Like I think that's the that's the piece that's going to not fit in well here and it'll make more sense and hopefully along the way he still shot 40 percent from three and you know had 10 20 point games along the way which i think both can happen yes i agree um i just the way i see it is he's he's eventually going to be the piece that's moved and who knows when that is but i think he'll be the one that's moved all right and 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 i think the victim in the rotation might be okogi how do you mean? I think that Col- oh, like somebody trade for something? No, I oh. think Culver. If it, without any roster movement, I think Culver will will get minutes over Okogi. Mm. That makes a lot more sense for Culver than it does Okogi because you have to put Okogi with a bunch of bad shooters in the second unit. But sure, but well, you think Culver's a good shooter? We, we've we've cha- we've totally changed our vision on that. Yeah. No. Okay. Brent. No, 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 no. We could say that his mindset has changed and he looks like he's, he's, you know, been on the Bowflex for the summer, but let, we can't crown him a good shooter from three preseason I could cry. Well, I mean, again, what is your standard? I'm talking about relative to Okogi. I think he's a better shooter. And a, oh, and, I, I said that before. And, okay. And, okay. I'll agree. And agree, probably agree. a better defender. I don't agree with that. I agree. He's a better shooter than a Kogi. And I would have said that before the preseason. But I, I did think bulking up has helped him. I think that defensively. Yeah. And also his confidence. I just, yeah. I, I, I think that, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking at that minus 29 against Dallas and going, no, nah, but what you come on. You saw that in context. <laughs> I know, I know. Watch, watch what a Kogi did. I, I was, I was texting John, John texted me about that after the game. He's like, I thought a Kogi was awesome too, but his minus 29. And it's like, yeah, can we put plus minus aside for the preseason and maybe at least wait for like two weeks of games before we get some, yeah, whatever. We, we, we're, we're at the point where we've moved from the cat trade talk back into Josh Kogi versus Jared Culver. I think that means it's time All right. for us Fair to enough. wrap this up. Well, I'm glad we um, were, we were orderly about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Britt, so you're, you're calm. Um, will be up by the time that this podcast posts. Yep, sometime uh, obviously. Tuesday, right. Okay. Um, follow everything that Britt and John are doing over at, at The Athletic um, this season. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of stuff rolling through at the beginning of the year. I feel like this is as interested – are you with me, Britt? As interested as the fan base has been in in the Timberwolves in five years? Yeah, they, well, they were starved, first of all. I mean, no no, yeah. no, <laughs> uh, you know, no contact. Yeah. And then also, I think they're – I think they're overly optimistic, which is always, you know, it's not a bad thing. Um, I don't think a lot of people are are thinking, oh, here we go again. I mean, we're going to hear yeah. in three weeks. Oh, oh, we already started hearing that after the first couple preseason yeah, games. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, it'll be. It's uh, I, I love the fan base, man. I, I love the, the fan base. Is I great. love the passion. Well, I mean, not only I, that, but. Uh, it is a fan base that uh, I mean I, I 
I always get a little leery about kissing ass here because uh, it's not my nature. I really do think that um, I like, in general, there are obviously very gross exceptions on both sides of the ledger, but I like that most of the fans have a blend of eye test and analytics to the way they talk about basketball. Because mm-hmm. I cannot, it's it's hard for me to talk to people who discount one or the other. Both are very, very important when you're looking at basketball. And I I hope people can use the eye test this year and actually watch on FSN. For real. Oh, like, I know. That's... I know. I mean, I have Comcast, you know, through, mm-hmm. through my uh, Luddite, stick with what I know way to work, yeah. you know, uh, but I do feel for, I mean, it's really, this is ridiculous. Well, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I tweeted something and, and somebody snapped at me. Like, I, I don't know if it was about a culver or whatever, whoever the player was. Someone was like, I didn't get to watch the game because I, cause FSN wasn't broadcasting on my TV, but this is a stupid take. Like, <laughs> I'm like, wait, well, hold on. <laughs> You didn't watch the game, but you hate what I thought about a Kogi or about what, you know. It's like, right. it's it's funny that I, I I'm I'm sad about it. I'm, I'm sad about it for people. I think it's it's worse. Well, you know, I worse think it has, has to change. Before. Obviously, I mean, what what are we talking about here? Is it really that much money? I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I Fox Sports North. What is its reach? I mean, what are we really talking about at the end of the day? I mean, it's not limited to here. It's a, it's a lot of different places. And apparently, you know, I was doing some digging on it. It's a lot of this is on Sinclair. I, I, I don't oh, know. Oh, Sinclair, it's, say no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So um, it's sad. And I don't know. I would just tell people to. Maybe Sinclair It's really easy to, to illegally stream basketball. stuff now. <laughs> Maybe. I, I think they're just. I, I don't know. I think they're just about their, you know, money and right. they, you know, they, they, they do that. There's illegal streams out there. There are, you know, different ways to different yeah. legal streaming services that, that do have it. I believe I think Hulu and YouTube TV don't have it anymore, but I don't know. It's a, it's a crappy situation. I just want people to be able to, to watch the team play. And if we can screw Sinclair along the way, I say more power to it. Exactly. That's Britt Robson at Britt Robson on Twitter. I'm Dane Moore at Dane Moore MBA. I will be back after um, the first regular season game against the Detroit Pistons. That sounds great to say. Um, until then, thank you, Britt, and we'll see you next week. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it all so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever